haven't we? That we think that the Christian life needs to come quick and come easy. But it doesn't. It's inch by inch by inch by inch. One day at a time. One, one verse at a time. One prayer at a time. One resistance of sin at a time. One day. It's just one day. One day after another day. And it is not easy. It's hard. It's hard. But you look at people who train for, for events, especially the Olympics. They put hours upon hours upon hours. And you and I have difficulty finding five minutes to focus ourselves even on the Word of, on the word of God. Many started the, the reading through the Bible in a year. By the way, did Dave really say he'd give us a, he'd buy us a steak? I must have been in Shreveport that Sunday. I didn't hear that, but I wanted some verification. I don't know about you, but I need a little motivation sometimes, don't you? He said that at the very beginning of the year, that he would buy a steak for those who read through the Bible in a year. I'm behind for a week right now. I'm behind a week, but I'm catching up. I'll read, and then I'll get busy, and I'll go two or three days, and I'll come back and have to catch back up again. Are you like that? Some of you are smiling. It's okay if you're not successful every day. We're going, my wife and I are going on a trip in just a few weeks overseas, and we're, we started walking. I, we need to walk every day, but we don't, but we do walk. We, we try to walk two, three, four times a week. So we're, we're doing something. We're doing something to get, to get stronger, to get more endurance. If you're going to be successful in your own personal Christian walk, you have got to be, to realize you are in a battle. There is competition for your heart, of the world, your own self, and the enemy, your own personal flesh. And if you think that the Christian life is easy, it's not. It's, 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 it's impossible, actually. The only person who's ever completely successful at living the Christian life was Jesus Christ himself. And so there will be failings. There will be times when you mess up. But you get back up and you just keep on going. Now, Paul, I think very clearly in this metaphor here, spiritual contenders are competitors. They realize that every day in their their life, there is that that fight of the good fight. There is something. There's something that is competing for your heart every single day day of your own personal life but I got good news regardless of how out of the race you think you are regardless of how much of a failure you think you are the cool thing about the Christian walk is is you can get back up you may feel like a total failure in your family in your business in your own personal life but you can get back up you can get back in the race when I showed up at Celebrate Recovery seven years ago in February Eight years ago in February, I was washed up. I was washed up in ministry. I was washed up in my marriage. I was, I was in a mess. And I was not running the race. I was out of the race. I had disqualified myself like those badminton folks. I had disqualified myself to run and thought, that's it. God is through with this, this Louisiana boy. But God is so patient and so loving and so faithful that he would let me get back in the race. Are you kidding me? 
How cool is that? That God would be so forgiving and so loving and so want to be, so want to cheer you and I on. That even though you have fallen, even though you have tripped up, even though you've messed up, God still says, I want you in the race. I've got a use for that hurt in your life. I've got a place for you to serve. Just get back in the race. Just get back in the race. But Tom, you don't know how much I've messed up. You don't know how, how, how bad I feel. You don't know how, 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 much, how, how much wrong I've done. It's all right. Christ can make that okay. Just get back in the race. Contenders are also goal-oriented. I don't know about you, but I've, when I play, I play for something. Paul says, I think it's in Philippians chapter 3, he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had a prize in mind. He says, I press toward that mark. Now, for some of you, if that mark in, in, in doing your Bible reading every day is, if no, is nothing but that steak, that's okay. I'm hoping Dave let me switch that to a piece of fish. But I'm hope, but, but, but have a, a prize, something you're shooting for, something that you value, something that you want. What is it that you want in your Christian walk? For many of you, just knowing that someday Jesus Christ could say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. For me, that's enough. Just to hear Jesus say, well done. Now, the wonderful thing is, the cool thing is, is God got a lot of other things along the way to keep us motivated. I need motivation, don't you? I need a prize. I need something out there, a goal. Well, what is the prize of the Christian life? Well, some of you say, well, it's heaven. Well, that's a nice prize, sure. But I, I want to share with you, I believe the, the prize of the Christian life is a changed life. We say in Celebrate Recovery that we're, our goal is not sobriety. Our goal in Celebrate Recovery is not just to get somebody sober, off drugs, off alcohol, or, or, or off whatever, whatever they might be medicating the pain in their life. is. The goal is not to get them sober. The goal is to have a changed life. Now, everyone in this room is in need of a changed life. If you're here and you've never met Jesus, the first change you make is coming to know him. The scripture got several terms for that, born again, justification. You come to know him. You come and, and you have your own personal sin taken care of and forgiven by Jesus Christ. The Bible calls that moving from darkness to light. The spirit, the human, the spirit inside of you is dead. It cannot communicate with God. When Jesus Christ comes into your life, your spirit becomes alive. All of a sudden now, the word of God, it, it does something to you. You hear, you hear worship music. You hear songs about God. It does something. It moves in your spirit because your spirit's alive. The, the spirit of Christ is alive in you. All of a sudden, your motivations are different. Because you've been changed. 
And once you meet Christ, you need more change. That's sanctification. That's moving and growing in Christ. That's, 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 come, that's moving and coming under the, uh, moving away from the power of sin because now you've been changed. You've lost, you're no longer under the penalty of sin, but now you, you're, you're growing, you're growing and gaining power over sin because you're growing in Christ. There will never be a time in your own personal life when you don't need to change. And ultimately, someday, one day, maybe soon, there'll be a, the change we call glorification. There'll be a change. Jesus Christ could come and return to this world before this service is over. Before this service is over, Jesus could come back. Now, the, the frightening thing for me is, is that if he does, this microphone will drop to the floor because I will be gone. Most of the seats in this room will be empty because Jesus Christ will call you away. If he came back this morning, would you meet him? Serious question. But someday, there's going to be a glorification. There's going to be a change in this earthly body. That's cool. I like that. That's motivating for me. That's the prize for me. Well, not only are, are we in a race, not only are we running to win, we're running for a prize, but the second characteristic of a winner is, is a winner is always in training. Always in training. Those runners that run the race, they have to train. They have to train. They have to continue to train. Even Can you imagine a basketball player to stop training, to stop running suicides, to stop shooting baskets after the season starts? No, even while the season's going on, he's still shooting that basket. He's still running every day to stay in shape, to stay fit, to stay, to stay, to stay, uh, uh, to, to stay at the top of his game. Winners are always in training. It's a continual process in your own personal Christian life. And I find it really kind of exhilarating to know that you never reach a point, you never reach a place in your own personal Christian life where you stop growing. Isn't that good? It would be pretty boring if it was, if we reached a certain place. Now, the scary thing is, is that there's some of us in here, and I've been there. I've been there where I figure, I know more than most everybody else. That's pretty, that's pretty arrogant, isn't it? It's foolish. I've been in classes where I felt I knew more than my teacher. I've listened to sermons where I felt I could preach that better than that person could. Silly, it's foolish, it's pride. That's all it is. You and I will never reach the point where we have arrived. We never get there. Let me say it again. You will never get there. You will always be in training. You will always need to learn. You and I can always learn from each other. Winners are always in training. In 1976, the University of Indiana had won the NCAA national title. Coach Bob Knight was asked about his success after that game. And he made this statement. I thought it was pretty important. He said, the will to succeed is important. What is more important is the will to prepare. All of us want to succeed in the Christian life. 
or you should. Are you willing to prepare for it? We started today the gospel project, 9 o'clock, Sunday morning. This is a commercial. 9 o'clock every Sunday morning. (laughs) There's been men's, there's been a, a women's led by Nicole. Nicole Miller leads the women. She's been leading women's Bible studies. She has such a passion for the Word of God. Women that are single are women that just want to be in there with women. Her class is amazing. It'll be wonderful. Don and Deb Jones just started their class back up. I heard they had almost a room full this morning. They are faithful in the preparation for their class. They always have been. They are amazing teachers. If you want to come as a couple or you just want to come because you just want to be in a large class, I invite you to come. To, to, if you want to be with folks that'll, that do an amazing amount of preparation, that are great teachers, Don and Deb are great teachers. Go to their class. When, when you walk in, in the new building, walk down the first room on the left, past the bagels. That's their class. Nicole's is down there just before you get to Daryl's office, that room with all the nice cushy chairs. Isn't that where your room is at? All the nice cushy chairs. The men's, now we're starting a men's class. If your wife is in Nicole's class or you're single or you just want to be in a class with just men, the, the, as, you, as you go into the Willow Books and you go down to the hallway and where the offices are, the second door on your left. It's been just freshly carpeted. It's really nice in there. Daryl By and myself are going to be leading that class. We invite you men to come and join us. My point is, all of us need to be in training. All of us. Now, I can give you a lot of reasons why it's so much nicer and, and sweeter and funner to, to sleep in and not come until, until 1030. You get to sleep a little bit later. I get that. But how successful do you think an athlete's going to be if he sleeps in because he doesn't want to get up when it's too cold or too wet or too hot or he's too tired? No, they train, whether they're tired, whether it's raining, whether it's hot, whether it's cold. They train day after day after day after day. And pretty soon, what used to be an effort now becomes a pleasure. You show up in that class. You be faithful on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. I challenge you to do that. You and I need to be in training. We need it. I don't care where you are in your own personal life. I don't care how far you've gone. You need, listen, you go to that class. You pray for that teacher that they'll get better. Pray that they'll get smarter, that they'll spend more time, that they'll make it more interesting. Pray for that teacher. Pray for others to come to that class so that they can grow, so that they can invest. And your encouragement of that teacher will will know no bounds. I encourage you to do that. You and I need to be in training. What's our motivation? In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of that verse, that passage says this, Wherefore? Again, here is a, a, a metaphor of a stadium. Wherefore, we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, the picture there is, and I've always looked at that passage, that we're compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses. And here's Paul and Noah and Amos and 
Ezekiel and Isaiah, all these great old Christians of the Old Testament and New Testament, all they're, they're up in the stands and they're cheering me on. That's not the picture. That's not really what the word witness means. We're compassed with so great a cloud of witnesses. The picture there initially is that of a stadium and cheering on of the stands. But the word witness there doesn't mean that they're looking on and watching you. The idea there is, is look at their example. Look at what the word of God says about them. They have witnessed. They are speaking to you and to me to encourage you, to motivate you. Noah. Noah, how long did it take you to build that ark? 120 years. Was it easy? Uh, Not so much. You get any criticism? Yeah, people thought I was crazy. Never rained? Spent all that time, all that effort, all that lumber? Building a boat? Why bother? You heard from you heard from who? God spoke to you. God spoke what to you? You heard from who? God spoke to you. Are you crazy? So when people think you're crazy, or you get impatient because things have taken feel like 120 years, any of you in here feel like it? God, I wish I was further along in my Christian journey. Things are just moving so slow. I I shouldn't be where I should be further along. Things are not moving. moving. I wish wish my family was further along. This is not where I thought I'd be in life. I thought I would be further along in life. This is not where where I pictured myself. We tend to be impatient. If you ever have problems with impatience, just just look back at Noah. And just let Noah just whisper and say, Hey, kid. I mean, he worked for 120 years, so he's pretty old. So all of us would qualify as kids to him. Hey, kid, you ever get impatient? I want to remind you what it was like to build that boat, to be ridiculed, to be thought foolish, to want to give up, to wonder, did I really hear God tell me to build this thing? This is crazy. But that boat that I built was a salvation for my family when the floods came. It was worth the price. Abraham got a call one day from God. There are Chaldees. He told him to go to a certain place. He'd been waiting for years now for God to bless him with a child. In his old age, he and Sarah had a child. Just a few short years after that, that promised child, God spoke to him and says, I want you to take that child up to the mountain and sacrifice it. Give that child back to me. God ever ask you for something that you didn't want to let go of? You held on to it, wondering, I just don't know if I can trust God with this. I just don't know if I can let go of that child. I don't know if I can let go of that loved one. I don't know if I can let go of my dreams. The things that I want, I don't know if I can let go of them. And Abraham says, he whispers to you from the stands of the witness of his life, you can trust God. Just trust him. God will keep his promise to you. Just trust him and move on.
And there's others. We could talk about Moses and Samson and, oh, so many, Joseph. Oh, my gosh. Joseph was a great example. Joseph was faithful when he was in prison, when he was, his, his brothers had turned his back on him. If anybody could whine and complain about their, their place in life. But Joseph was faithful at the lowest point in his life. And then all of a sudden, when the, when the, the tide had been turned, and now he's prime minister of Egypt. He has control over grain and over land and over people and over. He has a lot of power and he is still faithful to God even in the good times. Joseph just whispers, be faithful to God where you're at with what you got. In as bad a time as you think you're in, be faithful. God can be trusted. Those guys are witnessing to us. But also, that mo- that's an incredible motivation. But I want to remind you that part of what they're saying there in that verse is this, is, this we're encompassed by this great cloud of witnesses and let us lay aside every uh, encumbrance, every weight and, and, and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us lay that aside. There's two pictures there. And I thought about doing it this morning, but I thought it might be embarrassing. I was going to put on my, my gym clothes and I could just picture myself up here and, you know, and, and have my gym clothes on. But the idea that if I'm going to run a race, I don't play in my gym clothes. I mean, in, in my, my street clothes, I put on running shoes. I put on gym shorts. I put on a shirt so that I can be, I can move around. I'm flexible and then I'm light. I get rid of, I get rid of the weight. In race cars, they, they get that car down as, as light as it possibly can so it will be faster. So getting rid of, of every weight and every encumbrance, that part of the verse there is not talking about bad stuff. There might be some good stuff in your life that's weighting you down. If we found the, the fastest person in this room that could run the 100-yard dash the very fastest, I bet you I could probably beat you. If I put a backpack on your back with 100 pounds of weight in it, I bet you I could beat you. But that wouldn't be fair, would it? Who'd want to enter a race encumbered with 100 pounds on their back? But yet you and I settle for being encumbered with 100 pounds of hurt, 100 pounds of hang-ups, 100 pounds of habits, we can't break, can't shake. You're being unfair to yourself. Get rid of them. Get them off. Lay it aside. Not to say the sin that is wrapped around your, your ankles. You can't run if you're all tangled up and you're all tied up. You ever run in a, in a, in a, in a sack race where somebody is strapped to your, to your foot? And you, 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 pretty soon you wind up tumbling, don't you? If you? Because you're entangled. There's something slowing you down. Something wrapped around your feet. Many of you have got stuff that's wrapped around and, and, and you're, just, you're, in a, you're in a tough spot. You've got hurts and habits and hang-ups that are they're absolutely eating your lunch. You've got stuff that you cannot get rid of. You can't shake. There's things you've been promising you were going to quit for years. I promised for years I'd never open that, that, that pornography back up again. I promised for years I wouldn't do it. And I could not stop it. I couldn't stop it. 
I wanted so desperately to quit, but I couldn't stop. I was encumbered. I had sin. I was all entangled in stuff I couldn't shake. And it wasn't until I came through the doors of Celebrate Recovery that Monday night in 2005 that all of a sudden somebody came alongside of me and loved me and helped me get back in the game. Helped me get unencumbered. Helped me get untangled and helped me get back in the game. If you got stuff in your life that you just can't shake, it doesn't matter whether it's rage or anger or problems with food or, 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 or your thought life or, or whether it's drugs out, it doesn't matter what it is. You got stuff you can't shake. There's folks here on Monday night at this church right here in this room that will help you, that will come alongside you just like they did with me eight years ago and help you get victory over that thing that you just can't get rid of. And if that thing that you can't get rid of embarrasses you, embarrasses you go to CelebrateRecovery.com. There are dozens of other places in this city. You can go to another church. The first guy I sponsored came all the way from Fort Worth to Willow Bend because his, uh, I think it was his daughter or sister. It was a relative that he wanted, that wanted some help. And so he started coming here to support her. He drove all the way from Fort Worth to this church because she lived in this neighborhood. So she came to celebrate recovery with her and all of a sudden he found out he had some problems too. How about that? Some of you might be thinking, boy, my wife could sure, my husband could sure use that. That's what my wife thought. She thought I was the problem. And your husbands are thinking, my wife could sure use that. She needs some help. All of us need that. All of us need help in our own Christian walk. So if you're stuck in something, here's a place that you can get involved in training. This is, this is a training program. This is a discipleship program. Celebrate Recovery is part of this church. But if you're too embarrassed to come here, go somewhere else. Just I didn't matter. Just get some help. You need some counselor. You, you and your, your wife need some, some counseling. You're too embarrassed to go to Brother Dave. Talk to Daryl. He's got a whole list of counselors. You need some help. Get some help. Don't stay stuck. It's not worth it. Before you know it, your life is gone. You're going to be my age, and you have got nothing done. You've been ineffective. The enemy's kept you trapped and wrapped up for years. Don't waste the years. Get back in the game. Doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. I promise you, there ain't nothing you can come tell us you've done except for recovery that we hadn't heard. There's nothing you can come where we're going to be shocked. I've trained the folks. I'm the trainer. I've trained folks that when folks tell you some bad stuff, don't, you know, don't, don't. I've trained them to just, but, but seriously, we're all works in progress. We're all a mess. We all have blown it. The cool thing I like about Celebrate Recovery is you can come and you take off your mask. You can be yourself. That's the cool thing about Willow Bend. You ain't got to be a pretender here. You can, be a contend- you can be a contender. I don't have it all together. I ain't got it all figured out. I'm still struggling, but I'm in the game. And if folks are going to love me at this place, they're going to love me while I get back on my feet. While I'm in jail like Joseph. 
but I'm going to be faithful when things are going well and I'm prime minister of Egypt. I'm, going to be, I'm still going to serve the Lord. I'm still going to be faithful to the Lord even when things are going well. Winners have a plan. Losers have an excuse. Winners say, let me do it for you. I'll take that job. Losers say, it's not my job. I love this. Winners see a green close to every sand trap. Losers see two or three sand traps around every green. Winners say, hey, problem, look how big my God is. Losers say, oh, God, look how big my problem is. Winners will pay the price. Michelangelo was not the best painter of his day. But few people would spend the price. He had, remember, he had a bad back, bad sinus condition. But few people would do what he did. He laid on his back, painting a ceiling for nearly two years. And we know that is the Sistine Chapel. All the other painters of his day, even the better ones, have been lost in obscurity. Jonah Salk in 1949, wanted to find a cure for polio. He worked 16 hours a day, six days a week for five years. He paid the price. He paid the price. All of us know the story of Michael Jordan in 1997, playing against the Utah Jazz for the, for the championship. Had the flu. He didn't have to go to that game. Anybody would have excused him because he was sick. But he played anyway. Why? Michael Jordan's a winner. Jonah Salk is a winner. Michelangelo's a winner because they saw something of value and they paid the price, whatever it take. I'm going to close with this. I could tell you about Lou Gehrig, played all those, all those games, over 2,000 games, broken bones and his hands and fingers and all over. But winners make hard decisions that no one else wants to make. Losers like Adam, do like Adam and say, it's not my fault. And they blame other people for why they can't succeed. But the final thing about winners they run the race. They're always in training, but they're self-controlled. Paul says, I discipline my body. I bring it under strict control so that my preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Have you ever noticed whenever you start something good in your life, like reading through the Bible, have you ever noticed that when you start some, doing something good or maybe spending some time in prayer, you start becoming more disciplined in one area of your life, you notice that you tend to get more lined up and more solid and more disciplined in other areas? It works, I know, it does for me. If you're needing some help and self-control, get back in training. Take some baby steps. Show up on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Friday mornings at 6.30 at the Egg and I. Show up for men's, the men's study. Celebrate recovery at 7 o'clock on Monday nights. Come at 6 and Daryl will buy you supper. First time. After that, it's $3. Get back in training. 
Get back in training. Get back in the game. I am so thankful that God was patient with me. Last week we handed out this bulletin, Accelerate Recovery. A young man that I sponsor drove all the way from just south of Denton. He goes to a church over in Louisville. He lives up just south of Denton. He came over and taught a lesson on sanity. He drove all the way over here to teach a lesson on Monday night on sanity. He made the statement to us, it's funny how you take the most insane person and teach on sanity. But it refreshed me about what he taught, what insanity is. Insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, but expect different results. Now, what does that say to you? If you keep doing what you're doing right now and nothing changes, then nothing changes. If nothing changes, nothing changes. What will you do different today? I always hate it when Dave takes off the bottle and doesn't drink. Because he gets sidetracked just like I do. Make some changes in your life. Small ones. Small ones. You ain't got to start today and go out and run 26 miles. Maybe you just need to walk one block. And then two. Then maybe a half a mile. You might even work up to a mile. Make some changes. You ain't got to read the whole book of Genesis today. Just start with a few verses. You ain't got to pray for 24 hours. But just spend a few moments thanking God. Praying for others. And asking God to make some changes in you. Get back in the game, my friend. This is too important. It's a serious business here, what we're doing. It's not a country club. It's a serious business. We're here to win. There's lots of help in this fellowship. There's lots of opportunity to grow. But if you don't make a change, it won't help you at all. I challenge you. Let's pray. Father, what an incredible opportunity you give us as believers to walk with you, to make changes in our own personal life, to be a blessing, to be used, to be effective. Lord, you've given us a race to win. May we be found faithful. May we be found faithful. I pray in Jesus' name.